Welcome to episode five <laughs> of our Picard season review series. And uh, we were just talking before we hit record about Ensign Rowe, and then I remembered to hit record. So we're already in the middle of this conversation, and we're going to catch you up, dear listener or watcher. So Adam was talking about... It's going well. Yeah, so we got Ro. Ro's back from TNG. I vaguely remember Ro because, again, I'm not a massive Trek fan like you, but I remember um, I remember that she portrayed Riker or something on the shuttle or something. I can't remember exactly the scene, but she joined the Marquis, I think, at one point, at that point. Yeah, in and the, so that was in, just a trail of Starfleet, basically. Yeah, in the penult- penultimate episode of uh, Star Trek TNG Season 7, in Preemptive Strike, she decides to join the, 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 the Maquis cause. She is in a shuttle, betraying Riker. She put a she pulled a rifle out on him, or a phaser, phaser pistol out on him, and then she upset the guard yeah. because yeah, that yeah. was basically his uh, his prodigy in a way, his who who he is uh, mentoring, and then she comes back thirty years yeah. later. Since you aren't really that hardcore into it, how did you feel that Ro came back onto the show? Were you like, oh wow, that's a neat reference, or? Uh, could you justify her coming back? Run it through me. It, it was a bit of a, a strange decision because I know it's just an, sort of not a very well-known character. It's sort of like you have to be a fan to sort of get the reference or know who that character is or what the big deal was at the time of her appearance. So any casual viewer would be like, they sort of let you know straight away with some back and forth dialogue between her and Riker and like Ro herself that okay, this is a familiar character from their past. Like I say, there seems to be like some sort of a thing with like is it Picard protege but could be more than a protege you know um could be a love interest in sort of some sorts back in the day maybe I don't know but it was interesting enough to sort of have her in it at first you're thinking okay is it a changeling again but obviously it's not uh, Picard quickly susses that out by taking well he goes to that the, the bar again doesn't he and they have a conversation and dialogue in there again and he sort of quickly discovers that okay it is her and she's been doing her own investigation and she's got loads of research and stuff like that. Long story short, I mean, she just gives them all the research in the end and so, uh, which they can then use and stuff. And then ultimately she does sacrifice herself at the end. So she, you're getting rid of a legacy character straight away. So that's a big thing, a, a big, kind of a big deal. I don't know how significant that was to you being a major fan of it, but uh, to me, it looked like a good scene. It felt like it, it did have an impact for sort of, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a, a death that felt um, insignificant it felt like a, a thing that was like properly done i don't know the episode itself was okay just sort of like a, a more self-contained episode where they just discuss her involvement with everything um uh, picard's relationship with her and then obviously it also it tells basically sure then that oh yeah this is actually real it's not just them taking the myth or them just having that sort of conspiracy theories this thing's real um and starfleet has been infiltrated and Shaw sees that with obviously the very sort of self-sacrificing scene of Ro just jettisoning herself into the uh, ship that's turned up to sort of come and arrest uh, Riker and Picard. Um, I did like the scene where, like, that the idea that they've just come back from episode four or whatever, and they're just like, okay, it's time to, like, contact Starfleet and, you know, face the music, as Picard says, and then Shaw's like, ah, I've already done it. I've already contacted them. <laughs> so you get your, uh, your bullshit stories together and uh, they're on the way already. It's like, oh, mm. all right, then. Yeah, I like that. Again, I, I liked him as well. I like the character of, uh, of Shaw and stuff. I know you're not a big fan or whatever, but I still think he's a decent character. I think most of the new characters in Picard, actually, some of them are actually pretty good, um, like Geordie's, um daughter and Shaw and 
Um, I know Seven's not a new character, but she also goes into that dynamic as well because she's part of the Titan crew. And um, I just feel there's a good dynamic between some of the new characters. And it's not just like been sort of hammered in, like in a cheap way. It feels sort of natural and they get on. There's some good chemistry. It, it's interesting to listen to you over these episodes because it's like an exploration of what makes Trek acceptable to a normie. <laughs> yeah, because... I mean, obviously, you've got to like, that's, that's what I mean. It's made for like two audiences, really. It's crazy, really. Because you've got to sort of open it up to a normal casual audience. And then obviously you've got to sort of appeal to the core fan base, which is all, you know, brought this whole thing to the, to, to the dance, really, which is the Trek fan base. But it would be harder to please the, the hardcore, I would say, to a certain degree. But you... Mm. Okay, so going back onto Ro, I didn't find a lot of her believable because they said that the Maquis were wiped out in, in DS9, but I'm, I'm willing to believe that some survived. There's always, a, there's always a group of survivors. The first thing she does is basically go back into Starfleet. Yeah. Then she works in Starfleet Intelligence. Now, I can see maybe there's some value with her being a Starfleet Intelligence if they wanted to like find other Maquis operatives and start legal proceedings against certain Federation citizens or ex-Starfleet officers and they cut her a deal. But then she's always just self-serving in a way so that she survives. So she survived under Picard. Then she flipped because she wanted to survive with the, with the Maquis. But also she doesn't believe in the Federation anymore. And then she flips back. And I just find that highly unlikely. And then I was having this out with people on Twitter. I didn't understand how her last commanding officer, and that would be Picard, wouldn't get told that they've got Ensign or Re Lieutenant Roe Laren back. He was never informed. And then it's a surprise because it's a big reveal. And then he still manages to hold on to that anger against someone that he probably thought died 30 years ago. Didn't understand that. And then why specific? Why specifically Starfleet Intelligence? She could have been a Fenris Ranger. She could have been a Bajoran and Envoy. But no, she worked. She got back right into Starfleet Intelligence again. Again, there's some value to it because she had tactical training. Understanding the history and then the character just seemed this show should have been made five years after Nemesis because the timeline, there's things that should have been resolved 30 years ago are being resolved now. And yet everyone's yeah. much older and it's, it's history. I mean, if, if you were bullied at school, it's not the same thing, but it's the first thing I can think of. If you get bullied at school and then you see the bully 30 years later, are you going to be upset or are you going to be like judging him and thinking, well, I, I got the better end of that deal. So, you know, we were just kids. But it's not a good analogy, but I'm just trying to find an example of how you can reconcile how can you not reconcile with somebody from 30 years ago which is basically now the past especially when he's got a kid yeah things are more important now and, it, and, and straight away he's like he's like really angry towards her <laughs> that's, that's why i'm saying he it should have been grudge. yeah he's, he's held a grudge for that long and he's rehearsed it but again he thought she died so why would you rehearse yeah. something against someone that you thought died <laughs> that, that part is so weird and then there was one good thing a good 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 scene that was undermined because you think Roe's back, but you also think it's not the real Roe. The shapeshifters are manipulating Picard to get what they want. Yeah. So they're bringing someone back, someone back from his past. They go to the bar. They get emotional with each other. And Picard says, I got the line here. Picard says, well, if that pain tells us anything, it tells us who we say we are. Because the changelings, you can only ask them so many questions. And then they're like, oh, you're a fake. And so yeah. a shapeshifter would not get emotional to the degree that Roe did. And I liked what came before that line, not the line itself. You know, it's superior to show something rather than tell something when it comes to writing. And so yeah. they had that scene and they get emotional. There's that quiet moment where they're both who they say, you know, they're both who they say they are. And then Picard says that line. 
Instead, he should, yeah. his next line should have been, why are you here, Ro? And that would have been the acknowledgement. You didn't need to tell us, mm. oh, the pain. If it tells us anything, then you were truly who you are. So I, I didn't like wow. that. And then after all that emotional handoff, they kill her. And I just thought, yeah. okay, I wonder if this gets dis- discussed in episode six. And luckily, we, we, we will talk about episode six, but it doesn't. She's not, she's not mentioned again. Her, sacrificed. Yeah. Her sacrifice was just there to move the plot forward. And there's nothing mm-hmm. else for Picard to reflect on now. And someone made the great yeah. point. Uh, I'll, I'll read this to you about her earring. What I found most frustrating was the earring as plot device. It was brilliant and poignant when she handed it to him. And then they undercut it all with the big reveal. It didn't need to contain intelligence. It could have just been Roe signaling to Picard that after all these years, after everything that happened, he's still family to her. But no, it had to be useful. It's extraordinary to me how poorly Kurtzman and his production crew understand their own franchise. That earring was mentioned in the very first episode when Roe okay. appeared. So it's been set up by accident. or It's been set up as something that Terry Metalis can pick up again and then use as a, as a send-off. Yeah, and... It's like, oh, that's a, that's a real shame. Didn't need to be about the plot. It could have been something else, but everything is so focused around this plot. It, it undercuts it, yeah? And you can see the evidence yeah. of it because she's not mentioned again, ever ever again, in the rest of this series so far. Oh, they've got a bigger fish to focus on. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't uh, be, you can't be wallowing in that now. You've got to move on. That's terrible, though. Plot moves terrible. on. Plot moves on. There was a big uh, kerfuffle on Twitter amongst some of the production crew who are showing, oh, look at the glory of this scene. And you see the USS Intrepid on fire. And it's like, eh, it's like sinking in space somehow. Did you, they don't mm. get the physics right. If it's already in space and the engine blows, yeah. so the warp nacelle blows, why is it sinking like a maritime ship, like a maritime vessel? Why is it, uh, right? But in terms of aesthetics, when it starts to rise, you're like, you get the impression, oh, it's pissed off. Okay, yeah, but, yeah. But in actual real world physics, ships don't, ships won't do that. <laughs> Well, there's got to be a lot of visual, visual things that please the audience. I know, I know. Yeah. It'll yeah. please, it'll yeah. please some people, and they'll they'll set, they'll share the <laughs> screenshot and celebrate it on Twitter. But the rest of us are like, <laughs> yeah, but a ship wouldn't do that. And it, why is it on fire? Why why are there still flames burning when it's in the cold well, cold vacuum of space? <laughs> there's, there's, there's loads of things you could nip back at, like when they is it when they warp away. It's like why can't they just follow them, follow the, the warp core trace or whatever it is when they when they warp away. Why can't the ships follow them? They just sort of lose them. Do you know what uh, I mean? It, the episode five, the ship can't go to warp. The Intrepid can't create a warp bubble, so it can't follow them. I'm just meaning about when they've, they've done it in the past, in you know, what kind of future episodes now, where they warp away. Oh, you can mask it. Yeah. So, but I, I don't know. This show doesn't explain. And then at the same time, they explain things on Twitter. And it's like, why didn't you put that in the show? Like, <laughs> Terry Metallic says, like, the changeling ship, the Shrike, is full of changelings. Everyone is a changeling. And we'll get to that later. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask. Okay, yeah, okay. We'll we'll, that, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll get yeah. to that later. But the the the, shape, the shapeshifters that beam on board, there's four of them mm. that go after Jack. Yeah, and Jack yeah. kills them all. He he sort of activates and he goes all. He's like Neo. Yeah, he goes, like goes Neo all Neo now. on them. Did you notice that yeah. uh, Dahl? I can't remember her name, but the android girl does that in in season one. She activates and she kills all yeah. the Romulans. Right. So it's yeah. this born identity sort of homage, but it's overplayed. But you know, so he kills four of them outright. And that just, and I know what it's doing. I know what the scene is doing. It does look cool, but it's also saying Jack is an amazing force to reckon with if he understands who he is. Right. I know, I know what it's doing, but do you know how many changelings died in Deep Space Nine in the entirety of Deep Space Nine? One or two? Only two changelings died. And you needed Odo in order to get to those two changelings. 
yeah. Odo was instrumental. The changelings were always sort of like this background threat, and they were really fearsome because you didn't know if anybody was a changeling. And the show played yeah. to that rather than actually giving you changelings. And even when they go to that, even when they go to Earth, two episodes, and the changeling says, you know, the, the Miles O'Brien changeling says to Cisco, "How many changelings do you think there are here?" He's like, "We've got three fuckers, and we're, we're causing all this damage." And then Odo at the end of the episode is like, "Well, don't you care that there's changelings on Earth, and that was nothing we can do?" But here. <laughs> He kills four of them outright, and it sort yeah. of undercuts. And, and as we go through the episodes, it undercuts the the lethality and how dangerous shapeshifters can be. And this this mm. is the beginning when you, when you see this, you think, oh my god, they 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 create this formidable foe. They say how amazing they are now because they've got all these augmentations, and then Jack kills four of them. And yet they were really special on Deep Space Nine. Do yeah. you remember? Do you remember Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when? In the beginning, this is, this, is a, this is a reference that stuck with me for ages, but I'm sorry about this, but in the beginning of Teenage Mutant Ninja, the TM, the, the thing, the thing, I can't speak, the foot soldiers were humans, and then Shredder mm. switched them to robots. Yeah. And then, and then they were just cannon fodder, but the foot soldiers in the first few episodes were formidable against the, the, the turtles. That was the thing. And then they, down, they, they, they downplayed them. And that's what they've done in this, in this series. They just get easier because they have to be. Yeah, I was going to wonder, like, what they were i wasn't i was kind of wondering if they were fully changelings or they were actually just normal people or crew members i don't know it was not really sort of highlighted or clear what they were but i guess like you say if he's cleared up on twitter and said yeah they are then it does sort of really sort of water down the fray even more now i guess and we've got the benefit of hindsight of the other episodes that are coming but we'll talk about mm. that later i will tell you something i did like and i'm sure you liked it as well because you're a fucking normie but <laughs> the Vulcan gangster. I thought that's actually quite interesting to have a Vulcan gangster okay. who's like justifying crime uh, in, in terms of logic. It wasn't explored very well, but I, I do mm. like. It's something that you can expand upon if you ever wanted to. Because yes, there's that could. whole criminal underworld sort of thing on the side, that dark side, which is there. They've established it's there, but they've never really explored it. It was an interesting premise to have in part of the world or universe. And Janeway says in a, an episode of Voyager that you can use logic to justify anything. And so I was thinking of that mm. with this Vulcan. But most Vulcans are conformists, so they'll just do what their yeah. culture, culture says. But there's an episode in season seven of TNG called Gambit. It explores a little bit of the dark side of Romulan history. And they used to have this weapon that, could, that would kill you if you had negative thoughts. That's, that's the whole point of the Romulans. The Romulans are from yeah. Vulcan, but they're the ones who rejected the modern Vulcan philosophy. So it's entirely plausible that there's going to be other Romulans who are just like on the extreme oh, yeah, yeah. end of things and say, I want to be a gangster. I want to be an OnlyFans uh, creator, you know? They'll, they'll justify it. <laughs> Through logic. Fucking <laughs> hell. Oh, All right. So, yeah, I, I did like the gangster, but I didn't like how Raffi talking shit to everyone on the planet, acting acting well-armed <laughs> with, with Worf, and it's just so cheese, so cheesy. I just I don't like it. I don't like any of her scenes. <laughs> it just takes me out of it completely. Yeah, I have more to say about I, I like the I like the fact that, like, the season as a whole so far, it's got me sort of like portionally optimistic and stuff. I say that because obviously we've got, I mean, we're on eight now, is it nine? To, we've got two more episodes left after eight. And I'm just going to like, how are they going to end this? Is it going to be terrible? I like the character of Jack, but are they going to ruin him by having him be like her from season one, where he's like a super sort of weapon, sort of human being hybrid thing that's going to, I just don't want him to be ruined like that because I feel like he's a decent character, but then they've got this, main sort of subplot where he's like he's this all kicking assing 
yeah. he can do anything sort of it's like oh they're gonna ruin it they've got the red door thing and i'm like what that and i'm like oh no what are they gonna do <laughs> and it's, 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 on, it's on the horizon and i'm worried to quote captain shaw I'm wondering how they get their bullshit story together with how they're going to end this because again we'll talk about it probably in episode eight review. Yeah, like like I've liked the interactions of all the characters. I've liked the acting. I've liked the TNG crew still have great chemistry together on the screen. Everything's going really well, and it's just like I know it was like it's not perfect. I know that, but it's going really well in terms of it. It's like say like the first few episodes of this has been like probably the best. Like you say the best Trek that has been Trek for a while, right? Bullshit. So <clears throat> bullshit. All right, well, it, well, it has. And then you hear about Kurtzman coming back and he wants to do like a, a Star Trek Academy thing. And I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, go on. Well, because it's like teen, teen drama coming up. And I'm like, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be terrible. The fact that it's set can... in the Discovery timeline is even more of, of like the icing on this turd cake that they're going to give to everybody. But the, the, the idea of a Starfleet Academy TV show has gone way back from like to Kirk's time during yeah. the TNG era. They would talk about let's have a prequel series about Kirk, and even Star Trek Six, they wanted yeah. it to be a, a prequel and have them all at yeah. university. They still don't have an original idea of their own. It's fascinating. How do you get given a license to the to the franchise and you have no original ideas? You're all just cruising off what was made from Trek 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, it blows my mind. But hey, I'm not in charge. <clears throat> Well, he also wants to, like, well, Terry Metallis wants to, it's not official yet, and he's not sort of even employed after this Picard thing, but it's like he wants to do another sort of spin-off series, doesn't he? Um, I've read online that it wants to be like Star Trek Legacy or something, and he wants to actually do the characters of, like, Shaw, Geordi, and stuff like that, and uh, Seven and stuff like that on, like, a spin-off sort of series. And I think that could be... A pretty interesting thing to go down. Like I, I wanted that anyway. Like I said to you, I, I thought that'd be a really cool idea. And I've, obviously, it's it's up in the air whether that's going to be a thing or not. But that could be interesting. It's going to be. It sounds a lot better than fucking Star Trek Academy. Do you have anything else to say about this episode? Overall, uh, you're happy with it, aren't you? I'm just mind blowing. I I thought no. <laughs> I thought it was like an okay episode, but it wasn't like mind blowing or anything like that. It wasn't like the last couple of episodes before it that came, which were, I felt like were better. Like I can say I did. You can't really moan about the acting. I like the little scenes between the little dialogues between characters and stuff like that. But I know you can. You could go on all day about it. But for me, <laughs> it was like, it was all right. Like, oh, I've got nothing else to say about it. <laughs> I've, just, I've got loads of notes on the other, other episodes okay. that are coming up. Let's, let's end um, this episode and then we can save some time and then get yeah. into episode six. 